This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Okay, Penn State fans, time for a yet another installment, episode, call it what you will, of the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. Johnny McGonigal, I'm Bob Flounders. He's not, he's Johnny McGonigal, I'm Bob Flounders. <clears throat> we talked earlier in the week about what we kind of expect for uh, the Blue White game, which is Saturday at 2 o'clock at Beaver Stadium. You can access that uh, on uh, the Blue White podcast, Blue White Breakdown. Uh, wherever you get our podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever. Um, but yeah, we talked about that, Johnny. Uh, we could still talk about it a little bit, but a lot of gets you with Penn State in spring, not necessarily about the blue-white game. And I thought we have more than enough. We still still some ground to cover, and we really haven't talked about it much, but um, the the recruiting set for success that, that Penn State has had um, this offseason and specifically the last few weeks has been really, really impressive, not only in-state, out-of-state, you know, expanding their footprint. And uh, they're building one heck of a class, Johnny. And I know uh, one thing we can talk we can talk a little bit about is maybe um, some, of the, uh, some of the athletes or some of the, the commitments or the targets that might be at Blue White Weekend. But let's just talk about James and his staff and what they've been able to do in recent weeks, um, getting the number one player, consensus number one player in Pennsylvania uh, to commit to Penn State, and then reaching down into the South yet again for another uh, talented defensive back. I think I think James probably has a big old smile on his face going into the blue-white game. Yeah, Bob, absolutely. And with opportunity to add to not only the 2024 class, but the 2025 class as well. I mean. Everyone knows that Blue White Weekend is a huge recruiting weekend. Um, I would be surprised if there's not a commitment just based off of history and based off the number of guys that are going to be on campus and and the type of player that's going to be on campus, the the player that has already visited a couple of times and uh, maybe already has a visit set up for the summer. Um, And so we'll see how that we'll see if, uh, you know, they're they're able to nab a recruiter two in the 24, 25 classes. But where they stand right now is already pretty good. Uh, you know, I think that they've got eight total commits in the 2024 cycle, depending on where you look, right. rivals 24-7. Like, they're firmly in the top 10 nationally. Again, it's early. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're talking in mid-April here, but uh, the, the returns have been good so far. And you mentioned the number one player in Pennsylvania. Quentin Martin was, you know, if not the top priority for Penn State this recruiting cycle, you know, one of the top two or three priorities and uh, top player in Pennsylvania um, and, uh, you know, consensus top 50 player. He'll play running back at Penn State. He's an athlete from uh, Bell Vernon out this way, Bob at Pittsburgh area. Um, actually planning on um, visiting Bell Vernon sometime in the next couple yeah. of days here to, to, to do a story upcoming for Penn Live. So keep an eye out for that, hopefully next week. But uh, Quentin Martin is every every bit of the player that Penn State and everyone in the country was really after. I mean, this is a huge win for them. Um, you know, almost 1,300 rushing yards, 22 touchdowns last year. Um, you know, the number two running back on rivals. Some outlets still have him listed as an athlete, but 
Yeah. I mean, he's he's the kind of he's a headliner of the class, and to get him early uh, and to get that secured already here in April is is really like yeah. you look at this class and it's really good. But that is that's the one that's the one that you you look towards and say, all right, like we got something cooking here. Yeah, and I just I just I don't know why I'm smiling, but um, he's a great he's a a great football player, as you said, um, elite talent. Uh, consensus top player in PA, but I just I always smile. I I always just go back to Johnny, the the Pat Narduzzi James Franklin thing that I still think it's never going to go quite away. And I think that's like an that's that's the cherry on top of the Sunday is to pull him out of uh, the Panthers' backyard. I don't know how serious it was a player for him, but I just know that I'm sure that that's just in a little bit. It means a little something extra. For James Franklin, but my question, just real quick, is when Penn State goes into uh, to Pittsburgh, right, to get a player, I mean, I mean that is that is you know James Franklin has always done that, and Terry Smith and his ties to Pittsburgh, uh, they run very very deep. Uh, you know, he, he he you know raised his family in the Pittsburgh area, was a football coach in the Pittsburgh area, but also considering he's a guy that's going to be a running back, you know, Jaywan Sider, I'm sure was involved in this as well. So how many different how many different people, I guess, do you think at Penn State actually recruited this guy? Everyone. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, when you've got a guy that's that good in state, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. It's all hands on deck for a player like that who, you know, Ohio State wants and Michigan wants and A&M and Texas and Notre Dame and Florida State. Like, yeah. when, when, this, when basically the entire country it, like, is after this guy – and he is two and a half hours from your campus, mm-hmm. all hands on deck, make sure you get him. And they've yeah. been on him early. I mean, they weren't the first Power 5 school to offer him. I believe that was West Virginia. And then Pitt followed. But Penn State was was pretty close in there and you know, hosted him several times. Um, made him feel like a priority from the get-go, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, again. Um, and so, yeah, like Penn State's been cleaning up in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, over the last few cycles, you go back to 2022, yeah. uh, Nick Singleton and Drew Shelton, which turned out to be a really good uh, recruit as well. I mean, being a four-star guy, uh, he had some pedigree coming in, but after already playing as a, as a true freshman right. uh, at tackle. So those two guys, uh, you had Javen Williams, uh, Tamir uh, Robinson from the Pittsburgh area as well. Um, I believe I'm, I'm missing one of the 23 class. Um, well, it'll you, don't worry. Oh, Jamil, Jamil Lyons. Uh, you mentioned Abdul, right? Oh, and Abdul, of course. God. Um, yeah, Abdul in the 22 class. And then also Jamel Lyons from the, you know, the, from the Philly area in the 23 class. And now in, in 2024, you've got Quentin Martin, uh, Kenny Wosley from Imhotep, uh, Cooper Cousins from McDowell, and Anthony Specka from Central Catholic. Uh, and so, I mean, and there's an opportunity this weekend and even in, in, in the you know, coming weeks and months to add more guys yeah. uh, from Pennsylvania. I know that Cameron Lindsay from Aliquippa is one that they're after, Pitt's after as well. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. But look, when Pennsylvania is churning out talent and Penn State's able to keep them home, that's a really good sign because we've seen in the past, um, and, it, you know, it happens, but you know, some top guys will go to Notre Dame or go to, you know, Ohio State. or uh, So it's been it's been really good, the fact that Terry Smith – who has been you know, reallocated his efforts, you know, to recruiting Philly, but also still has those Pittsburgh ties. Obviously, Deion Barnes uh, yeah. helping recruiting Philly as well. Um, they're doing a good job. Yeah, Johnny. And just real quick for Penn State fans, um, 
you know, Jaquan Brisker was a JUCO, but he came. He he grew up, I, I think, in the uh, Pittsburgh area. Yeah. But, yep. yeah. Would you say though? Would you say this is uh, Penn State's best yet, especially considering the position since Miles Sanders? I don't want to. I don't want to slight anyone. I, Journey Brown was from the Western PA area, but Miles Sanders was considered. I think, but when Penn State got him in that class, the, I believe it was the 2016 class, uh, maybe the top running back recruit in the entire country. I don't want to put too much pressure on Quentin Martin, but it just feels like this 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 get provided he signs at Penn State is is along those lines, or is, is that is that not? Yeah, I mean, it's along the lines of Nick Singleton too, you know. Yeah. Or I mean, it, or unless you're just talking about Pittsburgh area. Yeah, just, yeah, just I just meant Pittsburgh, but absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's Miles Sanders was a five star kid as well, and Alabama wanted him, everyone wanted him, so yeah, to be able to, and just looking at Pennsylvania as a whole. With running backs specifically, I guess, um, you know, you get Quentin Martin. Last class, you got London Montgomery, who was a four-star from yeah. Scranton. It's unfortunate that, you know, a torn ACL um, made him miss his senior season, but he's a good tailback. Nick Singleton, uh, you go back, Journey Brown, and, you know, Miles Sanders, obviously Saquon Barkley. Like, they've done a pretty good job at keeping those running backs home, and I think it, it kind of all started with, uh, with Saquon and Miles uh, and just you know, kind of running that, you know, riding that wave, right? Thank Taking, you know, hopping on that train and letting it take you. Um, it's a pretty good thing they got going. And that's over the course of a couple running backs coaches too. Um, and so a lot of that is James at the top kind of spearheading it and providing that steadying presence. Mm -hmm. um, it's him, you know, replacing Charles Huff with J1 side. Well, you know, and, and initially I guess it was David Corley. Then he moved them over uh, J1 Sider. Those guys have done a really good job uh, recruiting. Uh, and keeping those Pennsylvania running backs on. Yeah, and just for the older Penn State fans so they don't get up in arms about us, uh, Larry Johnson Jr., yeah. big college high. I think, uh, I believe the Heisman Trophy winner was from uh, the Pennsylvania area, John Cappelletti. Um, uh, Upper Darby, I believe, is the area where he was yep. from. And I think Blair I think Blair Thomas was a PA kid as well. Don't hold me as much for that one. But they just, it's, it's, a, it's a fertile rec recruiting uh, area for running backs in Penn State has a knack for getting the best ones, not just recently, but you look at the history of Penn State runners, a lot of them came from Pennsylvania, and, you know, in a couple of years, we could be talking about this guy. Yeah, Blair Thomas was from Philly, by the way. Okay. Frank Perhoff. I, yeah. I got you. I wasn't sure if it was Jersey or Philly, but I knew that you knew both well. So I figured <laughs> I'd just kind of throw, lob that up there, and you could shoot it down, yeah. or you could dunk it. But, yeah, they just have re really done a nice job. Uh, they have. In, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I was going to say, Johnny, they've also done a pretty nice job lately in Florida, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to <clears throat> defensive backs. And I think we have a twofer. We got we got Penn State getting two two corners from the same school, and they're both you know pretty prized guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean John Mitchell is a four star um, that they got uh, from Mandarin High School in Jacksonville. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, and then. I believe it was the, the days are getting a little jumbled here. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon of blue white week. I guess it was Monday. Yeah. It was Monday that Antoine Belgrave shorter, uh, John Mitchell's teammate, a three-star corner from Mandarin also committed. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to get down there in Florida and be able to, and the South in general, yeah. we've talked about this in the past, you know, just the last class of King Mac and uh, Dakari Nelson um, from Alabama, Elliot Washington. So to continue yeah. that, 
continue to churn through and, and get that kind of talent from the South is big. Again, it's going to be holding on to them. Um, Cause I believe Conrad Hussey and King Mac both went to St. Thomas Aquinas. They had both of them committed last class. And then Conrad Hussey ended up uh, flipping uh, right before signing day. And so uh, it's going to be difficult to, to hold on to these guys, but uh, to get them in the first place is again, a, a really good sign. Yeah. And right now you look at the 24 class and what they have in the DB room between you have Mitchell and Belgrave shorter. Um, you've also got Kenny Wosley from Imhotep four star mm-hmm. corner from Philly. Um, and they're after some more guys as well um, in, you know, the, the, the corner safety, maybe even a hybrid kind of player. Like that's, that's what they're looking for right now. Um, that They have a few coming on campus this weekend. And so, uh, yeah, we talk about Terry Smith and his ability recruiting Philly and Pittsburgh. I mean, just recruiting the corner room in general, I think he's done a really good job at. I think Jay Wansiders provided some help down in uh, Florida. Uh, Anthony Poindexter as well at safety. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's they're in a pretty good spot right now. And then you just look at the rest of the class too. Luke Reynolds was a, a semi-recent commit that I think we might have talked about on a previous podcast, but this was in late March that he committed um, a three-star tight end from New England it's yeah that Penn State's not uh you know not foreign to getting tight ends from New England between Pat <laughs> Friermuth and you know 2023 signee Andrew Rappel yeah so um him continuing that mini pipeline they got going and uh yeah it, it's a it's the, got the makings of a good class uh, you know they're I think six nationally on rivals seventh or eighth on 24-7 uh, so just depending on where you look firmly in the top 10 though and just building from here yeah Johnny, let's uh, let's tie that into Blue White Weekend and recruiting. I think you just have something up on Penn Live uh, about maybe who might be in attendance uh, Blue White Weekend. It's always sub- a subject to change. I mean, kids and families, you know, want to come to Penn State. They want to be part of the Beaver Stadium Blue White experience. But sometimes things come up. Travel can can get a little bit hectic, or you know, family stuff comes up. But as it stands now, as we talk about it on lunchtime Thursday, uh, two days out from the blue-white game, uh, maybe just to go through a couple of a, a potential a, vis- a visitors list that might interest the fans. They could be on the lookout for maybe some names and some faces. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, first of all, off the top, I want to give credit to like the guys at 247, Rivals, and On3 that they compile, I mean, massive visitor lists. Now, I, I'm able to confirm with some of these guys, whether it's, you know, contacting them directly or uh, they'll just tweet saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be at the blue white game this weekend. Awesome. Great. I can use that. Um, but in the story and as well, just want to upfront, give those guys credit because they do really good work and just compiling these massive lists. But um, yeah, there, there's, there's a handful of really good, uh, really good, you know, athletes uh, prospects coming on a campus this weekend. I narrowed it down to 10 mm-hmm. on Penn live, put together a list uh one of the biggest, uh, and, and it's one I started off with, was Kevin Haywood from Pope John Paul II um, in the Philly area, just outside Philly, Montgomery County. Uh, a four-star uh, offensive lineman, uh, number two player in Pennsylvania, according um, to On3, 119th nationally. Uh, Penn State looks like a favorite to land him, but he'll be on campus. Uh, and it's not the first time he's on campus either. Uh, so that's a name to watch. You, I mean, you won't be able to miss him. The dude is six foot seven, three hundred. 300 pounds. He's an offensive tackle. He's massive. Um, another one, Dre Hawkins, uh, IMG Academy wide receiver. Penn State's had some su- success with IMG guys in the past. Noah Kane, Katron Allen, uh, Malik McLean, Florida State transfer. Uh, he's a wideout that just recently visited Florida. And if you look at 
uh, the projections on the recruiting outlets. It looks like Florida has kind of taken a lead on Penn State and maybe getting him. But so this is a big weekend uh, for Marcus Hagens, wide receivers coach, as well as, you know, Yursich and Franklin and these guys who are a J1 sider who are all recruiting. Uh, Jure Hawkins was a four star wide out speedy guy. Uh, I think he's like five foot nine, five foot ten. Think KJ Hamler, uh, who was also an IMG guy. So um, little connection there. And then I'd mentioned uh, Cameron Lindsay earlier. Uh, he's a linebacker from Aliquippa, four star. Uh, Pitt is really in on him, and Pitt would love to have him. Penn State would love to have him as well. So if that's another Pennsylvania win potentially, and, and again, this is not the first time he's visited either. Um, and then another one, if you're looking for a guy who could commit on Saturday, Sunday, um, William Satterway uh, is an offensive lineman from Ohio, and he just recently picked up an offer from Georgia. I'm pretty sure he just visited Alabama. Uh, but the projections are heavily in Penn State's favor. Uh, you're talking like 95 96%. <laughs> now, again, those things change. This is recruiting. And recruiting, again, in April. Like, these things change all the time. Um, but he's a top 100 player uh, among the best interior offensive linemen uh, in the in the country in the 24 class. Um, and they've already done some work on the offensive line and getting Cooper Cousins. And uh, there, there's going to be more work to be done, though. Uh, you look ahead to 2025, Jalen Matthews is already committed. So, uh, and then looking back at the 23 class, they did a great job in assembling that class too. So, uh, Phil Troutwine will have uh, his hands full this weekend. Uh, plenty of offensive linemen on the docket, on the visitor list. William Satterwhite is probably the biggest one to know. Yeah, yeah. So what you're really saying, Johnny, is Penn State fans, just just stay tuned uh, and, and keep checking Penn Live over the weekend, maybe starting on Friday all the way through the weekend. Because as Johnny said, um, when they have a, a, a list like that come up for a, a weekend like the Blue-White weekend, percentages are pretty high that – there's going to be some recruiting news at some point. So you guys check back just to see how Penn State continues to build for the future in its recruiting classes, whether it's in-state, out-of-state. It's endless. They never stop. And, Johnny, that's uh, something I wanted to talk to you about uh, before we get out of this blue-white breakdown. With reg I, was, I was really uh, – I, I really, it was fascinating to read a story that you wrote, um, you know, earlier in the week, and it has to do with, you know, in addition to recruiting and in, in addition to getting the current team ready for what could be a really fascinating season, and in, in addition to keeping your eye on the transfer portal and getting key guys in each class the last couple of years, whether it's Arnold Ebiketti, whether it's Mitchell Tinsley and Hunter Norzad, who's still on the team, whether it's Storm Duck, and then uh, in hopefully for Penn State, Dante Cephas, the receiver, it's just it's just it's just nonstop for James Franklin and his staff. And the component that tends to get overlooked really is is NIL, and it's also you know just kind of keeping up to date with um, I don't it's not an arms race, but just when it comes to facilities and making sure they have everything they need to be. I guess James Franklin likes to use the phrase top ten program, which a lot of people expect they will be. There's just it's just it's a, it's a nonstop, 365 day a year pursuit. And you had a chance to talk to Brandon Short, um, uh, one of the all-time great Penn State linebackers, uh, just about kind of where uh, not where he thinks things stand, maybe with NIL 
and not just football, but basketball and, you know, money that goes towards, you know, um, future improvements for the Penn State football program. And it was just, it was, I don't know, I, I found it refreshing, refreshing for Brandon to pull no punches when he, when he talked about Penn State and the help maybe that James Franklin needs and what needs to maybe be done or what needs to change for them to keep, you know, pace with the best teams, not only in the Big Ten, but nationally. And I, and I just thought it was a very revealing story. And I think Penn State fans, if you haven't had a chance to check out Johnny's story, it ran a couple of days ago. I think it ran over the weekend. It's a really good read. And Johnny, I thought, I thought Brandon was very forthcoming. Yeah, he absolutely was. Forthcoming, honest, um, hold no punches. And it's one of those, though, Bob, where he reached out to us and said, hey, like, or, you know, through his PR, I uh, was like, Brandon would like to talk about this. Um, and you know, I asked him, like, is your passion for Penn State the reason why you're bringing this up? We're talking about you know, the NIL issues around Micah Shrewsbury's departure from the men's mm -hmm. basketball program, um, about how certain university trustees, he's a university trustee as well, as well as being All-American linebacker and NFL veteran, he's a trustee, yeah. um, about certain trustees, in his mind, undermining um, athletics and football, specifically voting against um, the uh, Lash building renovations from a couple years ago, uh, how that bleeds into the collectives and certain trustees, certain people, you know, wedging their way in or, you know, speaking for collectives. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was, he, he, he essentially was talking about Jay Paterno and the, and, and the few, a handful of followers he has, mm -hmm. uh, on the trustees. And yeah, I mean, there was just, if anyone who has Twitter saw the, the Jay Paterno, Michael Maudie yep. kind of Twitter dust up that happened uh, a week ago around NIL, but Brandon was like, Hey, this, I need to talk about this basically. Cause I, I feel strongly about it. I feel like. Uh, the only time I want to speak up is if if it's in the best interest of Penn State. Um, and he had a lot to say. He had a lot to say, but essentially um, acknowledging that it was heartbreaking and embarrassing that NIL played uh, such a critical factor or a role in Michael Shrewsbury leaving Penn State. And that, you know, to to leave Penn State for Notre Dame is just kind of a, a shot to the heart a little bit um, in terms of program and school and all that kind of stuff, right? Tradition and um, obviously Notre Dame is a little bit more basketball tradition than, than Penn state, but getting to the fact that you don't want to lose your, lose your coach because NIL is kind of all out of whack and it is all out of whack, frankly. Um, and so basically saying, you know, we need to unite as Penn staters, you know, and uh, the alumni base, uh, you know, basically the, the collectives have to be better about, um, you know, being clear with people and, and fundraising and pulling all, you know, do, doing all the cliches that James Franklin has used before, like pulling the rope in the same direction and all that kind of stuff. But it is true um, because the NIL situation right now, Penn State uh, is kind of with the, you know, dealing with an internal conflict of sorts, um, Penn State athletics and the BOT <laughs> and everything. So, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting comments from Brandon. And uh, yeah, I encourage everyone who hasn't uh, already read to, to go give that a read. Yeah. And one thing I just wanted to add to what you said, Johnny, is I think it's also very telling that um, you mentioned Michael Mowdy and you mentioned uh, Brandon Short. There was a, another Twitter. Uh, I don't know, Trace McSorley took to Twitter about, you know, supporting James Franklin and the football program and, and, and trying to eliminate some confusion about, you know, I think an upcoming board of trustees vote. But that's that's really secondary. But, you know, these the, the guys that are speaking up were coached by Joe Paterno. And this is James Franklin's program. And they they clearly they, they are passionate about 
what James Franklin is trying to do in in the present, but also in the future. These are not these are not necessarily you know they they were not James Franklin coach guys. These are these are guys that are 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 all time program greats, and for them to come up, for them to to go on 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 record and have some have some pointed things to say, not necessarily critical, but pointed things to say about things need to change, people need to be aware. This is what needs to happen. I think I think it really really um, drives the discussion. It, it's not just James Franklin uh, talking about what needs to happen. It's it's guys that have played, you know, you know, Brandon played in the '90s. Michael Mounty played, you know, more than ten years ago. Um, to hear different voices from the past and famous voices from the past say, "Look, this is a big deal. You need to pay attention. Wouldn't do this if it wasn't very important." James Franklin is is you know. When he talks about it, he knows what he's talking about. So I just think when you hear from people like that, it really just kind of lends a lot of credence to what James uh, and the current staff and administration and program are trying to do. So I think as this continues to play out, I know there's a board of trustees vote um, that I think that is, is is ongoing as we talk about, it, and there might be some new there might be some new news on on that front. But I just think this is like we talk about it's it's not just transfer portal. It's not just recruiting. It's not just the current team. It's just another thing that Penn State football and Penn State sports, they have to keep the eye on the on the ball when it comes to this as well. And it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah. And look, you need everyone on the same page. Um, so that's collectives, that's trustees, that's the administration. So President Ben Pudi and, and athletic um, athletic director uh, Pat Kraft and you know Brandon Short lauded both of them and yep. said that both of them have been really good since coming in and dealing with the collectives and dealing with everything else that kind of goes along with that, the situation that, that Penn State is in athletics um, specifically. Um, and James Franklin was asked uh, after Tuesday's practice, right, about NIL. And uh, I don't it's not so subtle, like, hey, we were behind the ball, like we're two years behind. And mm-hmm. uh, our initial model was that these athletes would be their own entrepreneurs and uh, you know, they, they were lapped uh, in that little span um, because of that approach, uh, which was the former, uh, you know, former athletic director, Sandy Barber and everyone else within that department. And uh, so I think there's better, there's better, uh, I don't know what you want to say, unity or whatever in the, between the, um, between the administration and Franklin. Uh, it's just a matter of, in Brandon Short's eyes, uh, getting a few trustees to stop undermining certain collectives and therefore the the athletic department and specifically football. Uh, and once that happens, then you're going to start again, seeing um, better pots for NIL, better situation, mm-hmm. better, maybe the better athlete uh, coming to, coming to Penn state. Uh, but if there's internal squabbling that'll, that'll continue, it could hurt the product on the field. Yeah. And just further proof, Johnny, that really Penn state football season never really ends. It's, okay. it's, it, the schedule doesn't start again until September, but it is. Th- there are things going on in in the spring, the late winter, uh, late spring, early summer. Uh, there are things going on year round that are going to have a dramatic impact on Penn State's program, and it's it's not going away. It's only going to get more and more probably intensified the way of the world. And I think that I think that the sooner Penn State can embrace it even more, I think the better they're going to be. But certainly. They are certainly getting a lot of talent, uh, you know, in the stable, so to speak, to compete with the very best teams in the country. Uh, you're seeing it with their current recruiting. You're seeing them uh, kind of reap the success of 
uh, the last couple of classes, they've expanded their recruiting footprint. So yeah, this is a big deal. Um, and, and it's a story that I think it's gonna, it's, it's, it's still being written, right, Johnny? So, so just Penn State fans, just be aware of that. And when, when a, when a prominent Penn State player speaks up, I think, I think, I think when he, when he feels that strongly about something, uh, you ought to listen. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. It's Blue White Weekend coming up in a couple of days. Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders will have a bunch of stuff coming over the weekend. Johnny, I know you've got to get to a conference call. So we're going to let you go. But thanks for uh, thanks for the recruiting updates. Johnny, I will see you up there hopefully on a sunny day in State College on Saturday. Sounds good, Bob. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live.